Hello, and welcome to the Hope Brooklyn Weekly Sermon Podcast. Hope Brooklyn is a community of faith in Brooklyn, New York, that believes wherever you are in your spiritual journey, there's room at the table. Thanks for listening, and enjoy this week's sermon. Well, welcome back, Hope Brooklyn. Good morning to you. Good evening to those in the room. Thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, my name is Russ, um, and I'm one of the pastors here at Hope Brooklyn. And if you're tuning in for the first time, uh, you're actually in for a treat today. Uh, because first, for two reasons. Number one, it is newcomer's brunch after service. If you have not had a chance to sign up for that, it is not too late. You can go to our church center app. Uh, you can register. It's virtual. We'll send you a little seamless gift card. It's a chance for you to meet some of our staff, meet some of our key volunteers, uh, get to know you, get to know where you're from, what you're about, um, get you further connected into the community. But it's also a, a special Sunday because uh, I announced this last week that I am going to be transitioning out as lead pastor of Hope Brooklyn. So go ahead and get that seamless gift card now. Um, no, but seriously, I mean, it, it, this, this, I'm sure it came as a shock for many people. Uh, if you saw the video that was sent on Wednesday, hopefully you've had a chance to, to process. And, and as I said in the video Wednesday, I'm used today to tell the full story. Um, and what you're going to hear today is a lot from my heart. I'm just going to speak very openly and honestly of how it is that Anna and I have arrived at this decision. And hopefully what you'll sense in our story is kind of what we just sang. That I don't want to miss God and if there's been one prayer of my heart over the last, I mean, my entire life when I gave my life to Jesus, but really specifically over the last three years, as I begin to pray and fast more, it's, God, you have all of my attention. And I'll go wherever you send. I'll, I'll do whatever you ask. I want to know what you're doing, what you're speaking, where you're moving. You have all of my attention. And so we're going to talk about how it is that Anna and I came to this decision. I want to start by saying this was not an emotional decision. Um, I mentioned it in the video, but uh, uh, hard, like, like, I mean, probably one of the first questions that might emerge when, when this announcement went out was, did the pandemic cause this? To which the answer is absolutely not. Of course, 2020 has been hard for all of us, but hard does not scare me and it does not scare Anna. I was the kid growing up that when I had um, major ear and jaw reconstructive surgeries, like waking up with a, a head the size of a basketball, throwing up pints of blood, I literally, as a kid, as an eight and 10 and 12 year old, told the doctors I did not want painkillers. Truly, my, like my mom, like I think they like snuck them to me anyway, um, but I told them I don't want painkillers. And I think that was sort of my way, is a little bit of pride of saying, hey, throw at me what you got, I can handle it. You maybe it was like a little bit of claiming agency over my body. Like right now my body hurts, but I can still choose to feel this pain. So hard doesn't scare us. Uh, actually, when Anna and I moved to the city and our denomination was vetting us as church planters, we had to take an emotional intelligence test. Um, Anna may have been two points higher than me. That is a sore spot in our marriage. But in this test, uh, there was like 20 different levels that we had to, that we were ranked on. And where Anna and I were both very, very high and, and strong was an impulse control which is to say Anna and I are not impulsive people. We might feel things, we might feel things deeply. We might feel desires or pain or whatever, we don't act on them. So I just wanna start by hopefully um, clearing that up that this was not an impulsive decision. This was not caused by the pandemic. This was in fact 20 months of listening, praying, fasting, begging God for signs, and then finally surrendering when he gave them. We are in a series, Detox. We are looking at the things that we picked up in 2020. We picked them up uh, in, in large respects to survive. But perhaps as we're moving out of 2020, as we're moving further into 2021, and the next chapter of society and as the, the larger sort of global C church, but also the smaller local Hope Brooklyn church, what are those things we need to detox from our systems in order to prepare for the next chapter? And today, I wanna to talk about self-preservation. 
And I'm not talking about physical self-preservation, though that might be a part of it. I'm talking about spiritual self-preservation. I'm talking about what, what are the ways, what are the habits, what are the thought patterns that we engage in? How do we live our lives spiritually in such a way that we in fact preserve our souls from being hurt by God? We preserve our souls from having to listen when we know he's speaking. Because if there's anything I've learned over the last 20 months, it's that I want to hear his voice and I don't want to preserve my life and my spirit anymore. I want to give it all to him. I've been reflecting on this verse from Proverbs, Proverbs 3, 5. You, you probably know it or have heard it before, but it's taken on new life and new meaning for me in this season. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, look for him, and he will make your path straight. Do you have any idea how hard it is to truly trust in the Lord with all your heart and to not lean on your own understanding? your own reason, your own logic, your own sense of, of what is best for you or your family and what is not, your own sense of desires or experience. And yet this is quite simply the promise and the promise of God and the expectation of God's people that when we will do that, if we will actually trust in him with all that we have and all that we are, and not lean on what makes sense in a physical and societal realm, that he will make our paths straight. And so what I wanna do tonight, guys, is I wanna tell you the story of the last 20 months. And I hope it does two things for you in the room, for you tuning in on Sunday. I hope it helps you understand how that's exactly what Anna and I have tried to do in these last 20 months and what we're pledging to do for the rest of our lives to trust in the Lord with all our hearts, to not lean on our own understanding, to acknowledge him and to trust that he will make our paths straight. And in doing this, we've not tried to preserve our lives, but instead we're seeking his. And the second thing I hope it helps you do is to see that if we are hearing God correctly, and I believe we are, then what God is doing in me is also what God is doing in Hope Brooklyn because he's calling me to make way so that the next chapter of this church that he planted and started and loved so dearly can begin. So if you are new, that's just a roundabout way of saying you should go to Newcomer's Brunch because it's the perfect time to get connected with Hope Brooklyn because there's an exciting future happening in this church. So let me pray and then we'll jump in. Father, it is so difficult to trust in the Lord with all our heart. It is so difficult to learn to heed your voice, to hear and to heed your voice, to lean not on our own understanding, to lean not on our own reason, on our own sense of what's responsible or irresponsible, on our own sense of, of you know, what is common sense, but to trust how we, how we see, how we hear, how we sense your presence going before us. Even if there's no promises, there's no certainty of what's gonna meet us as we walk down this road, other than you say if we do it, if we don't preserve our lives, but instead lay down our lives to go after you, you'll make our path straight. You will meet us and it will be better than anything else. And so Father, as we, uh, as we gather as Hope Brooklyn, both physically and spiritually today, would your presence be so felt, so tangible? Would we know that you are God, that Jesus Christ is your son, that the Spirit has been poured out on your people called church and that you are at work in all of us and you long to be even more at work in your sons and daughters.
if they would trust you. So it's in your name we pray. Amen. So I want to take us back to summer of 2019. Summer 2019, before mask and all of that stuff. Two things began happening in my heart in summer of 2019. Number one, I started to have these strange epiphanies. That's the, the best way I can describe it. You know what an epiphany is, where you're just sort of going about your daily life, and then out of nowhere, you're sort of overcome with this knowledge, right? This knowledge washes over you, and you're like, whoa, I should go to the grocery store today. Or, you know, it's probably a little bit more um, profound than that. But, but you know what it is, right? I started to experience epiphanies and very random, very unpredictable moments, but they were always about the same thing. There would be this knowledge that would come over me that suggested that I had done my job at Hope Brooklyn, that I had completed the assignment that God had called me to. I would pull up the PS 261 and I would get ready to walk in. And as I'm walking in, this just this spiritual knowledge would rush over me of like, I think I'm done. And then it would go away. It scared me when it happened. I didn't know what it meant. I mean, obviously, like, I could try to interpret that, but I didn't know why it was happening right now. It would go away and then, you know, everything would be fine, but it would happen. That began. The second thing that started happening in summer 2019 is I lost vision for Hope Brooklyn. Now, I want to, I want to pause on that one. I need to explain what I mean. It's not that I didn't know what the next sermon series was. I knew, like, I could hear God say, hey, the next, like, two months, we're going to focus on this as a church. I had that. Or, like, hey, the next, you know, um, event that we do or what we focus on, let's do this. Had that. What I lost was sort of the long-range vision of who Hope Brooklyn was becoming, it's actually talked about in, in Proverbs, uh, another verse in Proverbs that gets at this, Proverbs 29, 18, where it says, where there is no vision, or the translation is revelation here, people cast off restraint, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instructions. And the word for revelation or vision there actually has a sense of divine vision. Where God has not given vision for his people then we perish. We don't know where we're going. Here's how I, I think the, the, the clearest way for me to explain this. You ever had artists, or maybe you're an artist, um, describe the inspiration for a piece of art, a song, a book, uh, a sculpture. Often it comes like an epiphany, right? Often they're just sort of, it's a, it's a flash of inspiration in a singular moment, and they see the whole thing. So J.R. Tolkien, he talks about the Lord of the Rings. And this sentence and this word that he had never heard of came into his consciousness out of nowhere. There once was a, I, I might, I'm not going to get it exactly right, but there once was a hobbit who lived in a hole under the ground. It just sort of came upon him, came out of him. He didn't even know what a hobbit was, but he, this sentence came into him. And in that moment, he saw the whole story. Now, obviously, he did not see the elvish language there. He had to create that. But he saw it. It was like lightning struck and it lit up the whole landscape. And he saw it. And then he set his hand to creating it. That's the type of vision I'm talking about here. Where, where there's this flash and you see it all and you know where you're going. You know the last page in the chapter, what you're building toward, what you're creating. And I lost that. Or rather... Rather, what's more accurate, the initial vision that God gave Anna and me, the initial flash of inspiration was directly related, and I won't go into this whole story, but when Anna and I first sensed the Spirit of God, the presence of God leading us to join in what he was doing in this city, it was directly related to Hope Church NYC, of which we're a part of that family of churches. And then we didn't know that we were going to start Hope Brooklyn. We felt like God was going to like we were going to be a part of starting something. I was a pastoral resident at Hope Astoria. And in that time, um, I was discerning with the pastor there, Christian Hernandez, Drew Hyun at Midtown, who started the network. And the idea came up of starting something in Brooklyn. And that's when the flash of inspiration came over Anna and me. 
And it was sort of this, this quick vision of a planted church around the table, a community of people who were struggling to find and to trust Jesus around a table, all from different walks of life, and it was fully established. That is to say, it was financially independent. It was not relying on any outside sources of funding. It had a strong leadership culture. It had a strong discipleship culture. It had good layers of leadership. And that was the inspiration. And that was the end of the chapter. And we assumed, Anna and I, that as we got into this, we'd get the next chapter, if you will, to continue the metaphor of the book. And in summer of 2019, and we didn't realize this till later, we were there. I mean, and, and give or take, right, a little bit, but we were effectively, we had finished that first chapter. We had created what had been put into our hearts to create. And now we were seeking God for the next chapter. So that began in summer and fall of 2019. Both of those things were happening. And they started to increase in, in frequency. Then winter of 2020. And you'll notice the theme. Actually, there were no less than four different prayer and fasts that Anna and I engaged in to seek vision, to seek the next chapter for Hope Brooklyn. So the first one was in fall of 2019. We began to pray for it. Winter of 2020, it had increased. And so we're praying during the, the prayer and fasting, the 21 days of prayer and fast to start the year that we always do as a church. And we're praying for the next chapter for Hope Brooklyn. We're praying for vision. And during that, that 21 days, we do not feel like I receive anything, or, or we receive anything. There's, it's completely cloudy for where this church is going. But something that does come out is there's a, a, a woman in my denomination who's a leader. She's an incredible matriarch of our movement. Uh, she's just very, very wise. And as the 21 days went on, I felt um, her name and face grow in me. And I just felt like I needed to bring her into this discussion to help me discern. And so I did. And uh, when I talked to her, um, we talked and ended up being early March of 2020. But when we talked, she said lots of things that were really helpful. But one thing she said that, that almost like struck a chord and re uh, resonated inside of me is she said in her experience with pastors and church planters, that initial vision that they receive is really significant to what is calling, what God is calling them to do and be about. And they get different, like some pastors and church planters get a vision that is basically like chapters one through eight of the story, right? And some get less and some get different amounts of time, different cause. But whatever the initial vision that God puts in their heart, she's found to be the case, is really significant to that call. Which basically reading between the lines, she was sensing that my time at Hope Brooklyn, I had done my, my, my job. I had written the chapter God gave me to write. Now that scared me a little bit. I didn't know exactly what that meant or I did know what it meant, but I wasn't sure I was ready for it. Um, but that was that came out of that conversation. Time went on. Um, the pandemic hit. And obviously when the pandemic hit, all of this went out the door. And if anything, it made it harder for God to get my attention. Going back to the very beginning of how you know, hard doesn't scare Anna and me, comfort scares us. And one of the last things, you know, when I realized like how hard it was getting in the city and, and for us as a church, I'm like, there's no way I'm even thinking about leaving. You know, like there's, I'm, I will never be accused of abandoning our people, our community. That's not gonna happen. So it made it even harder for God to get my attention. I was, uh, scheduled to take sabbatical in summer of 2020. And I was originally not going to take it because of the pandemic until a key, key leader in our church community had visions in her spirit that actually God was like, you need, Russ needs to take this for, for his good and for the church's good. And so she convinced me to, uh, I won't name any names, but it's basically her fault that, I'm, that we're leaving, you know? So um, we went into sabbatical in summer of 2020. And at this point, uh, I need to pause for a second and I need to bring in another storyline because it's important to the story. There's a church in our denomination. Um, that's a really great church. Uh, it's called Eugene Faith Center. It's in Eugene, Oregon. And um, their pastor uh, was due to retire 
at the end of 2019, I think. Yeah, end of 2019. Um, back in March of 2019, uh, and the way it works in our denomination is, is we have different districts, and you have a uh, district supervisor who oversees the district. And he or she is in charge of, um, if there's a pastoral change, working with the church council and finding and hiring the next lead pastor of that church. And so the district supervisor of the Northwest is a good friend of mine um, who I respect dearly. And back in March of 2019, uh, he alerted me to this, this pastor wanting to retire, and he actually offered me the job as lead pastor. Um, and Anna and I, we were incredibly flattered. You know, we prayed about it. Um, and, but we did not feel that God was in that. I mean, this was March of 2019. This was before all the epiphanies and stuff started happening. And uh, we just didn't feel like it was the right time. And so we said no. Why that matters, though, is because the pastor was scheduled to retire, you know, at the end of 2019. And it's a really great church. Um, and I only say it to say, you know, it's not like, I mean, they can have their pick of the pastor that they want. And here we are, fast forward back to, to where we just left off in summer of 2020, and they still didn't have a pastor yet. They still didn't have a pastor. Um, now that meant nothing to me. I was not thinking about it. But what did start happening was I have friends and mentors in our denomination. And as I started just talking with them, um, talking about vision stuff, all sorts of stuff, they started, you know, poking fun a little bit uh, and, and even saying, suggesting quite seriously that had they've, as they've been thinking and praying for Anna and me, they've actually started to see me in their prayers as the leader, as the pastor of this church in Eugene. Now, again, that, that didn't mean anything to me, but enough of them said it that it got my attention because here I am praying for vision for Hope Brooklyn, praying for the next chapter, and I'm not receiving anything. I feel like there's a closed door. So at a certain point toward the beginning of sabbatical in summer of 2020, I contact my friend, his name is Gabe. And I contact Gabe, who's in charge, who had offered me the job, who's in charge of finding the next lead pastor. And I contacted him and I said, uh, basically I was like, Gabe, wh what are you doing, man? Like, why have you not found another lead pastor? This is a great church, I told you no. And the long story short is he said that he had been praying, he had tried to move on, he tried to consider other names, but every time he did, he just felt God say, just wait, just wait on us. Now, uh, that again frustrated me because I'm not sensing any of that, and I actually... I got a text to him. I was like, Gabe, I need you to answer this next question very carefully because you're going to stand before God. And obviously, like, I'm in a place where I'm really seeking the Lord's will right now. And I said, Gabe, is it just that you love me and you want me to do this? You think I would good, do a good job? Or in your heart of hearts, do you actually believe what you're hearing from God is that I'm supposed to be the next lead pastor of this church? And basically he goes, all I know is that I've tried so hard to move on from you. I've tried to put other names in this role. And every time I do, I sense God saying, just wait. Which made me <laughs> kind of angry because I didn't sense anything in my spirit yet that seemed to suggest that I'm supposed to take this role. So God's not giving me vision over here for Hope Brooklyn that I'm praying for, but God seemingly is talking to all these people over here that I'm supposed to go. Which at a certain point, I'm like, I'll do whatever you want, God. Just tell me. Like, tell me what you're doing. Sabbatical went on. Later on in sabbatical, uh, there was a day, and, and uh, maybe it needs to be pointed out for those unfamiliar with what sabbatical is. Sabbatical is not vacation. Vacation's vacation. Sabbatical is when you set down responsibilities as a pastor to essentially devote your time and your energy to encountering God, which is what Anna and I did. We had a very, very, I don't want to say strict, but we had a very tight schedule that we were keeping um, of times of prayer and worship in the morning, of walks, of rhythms, of you know praying and worshiping and journaling and reading books together in the evening, of projects during the day that we felt the Lord inviting us into. So we were very intentional to seek God's presence. 
And there was a day later on in sabbatical where um, I was with, with my family in Virginia and I was sort of sitting out on the porch and I was praying and worshiping and praying for Hope Brooklyn and praying for vision and just feeling nothing. And then um, just out of nowhere, I started thinking about my friends and what they'd been saying about Eugene and, and this church over here. And, and then I, it sort of evolved and I started thinking about the church and what I knew about the church. And... Um, what they were looking for in the next lead pastor. And, and, and then, friends, the, the only way I can describe it is out of nowhere as I'm thinking about this, as I'm asking God what's going on, I'm flooded with that vision, that inspiration that I talked about earlier. I see the next chapter for this church over here in Eugene, Oregon. And I start writing it down. I have my journal there, and I just start writing. First we would do this, and then this, and then we would do this, and this. And I saw the next chapter of what God wants to do with this church in a way that I had for the first chapter with Hope Brooklyn in the way that I wasn't getting for what was next. And when it finished, obviously, I think I knew what it meant, but it really scared me. It made me sad because this entire time, my heart, I've been praying for, for vision for Hope Brooklyn, and yet in this moment, God seemingly gave me vision for this church over here. Sabbatical ended, we came back to the city, and we had now our fourth season of prayer and fasting, uh, 21 days. And for Anna and I, as we engaged this 21-day prayer and fast, we said, this is your last chance, God, this is your last chance. Give us vision for Hope Brooklyn or tell us we're done, one or the other. And um, there were a couple different things. And, and to know about this last fast, um, we were not praying for God to speak to us internally, but for God to give us signs externally. We needed to, like, we needed more signs out here. And a couple things happened, but the one that was most significant, um, during the second week of the fast, I was supposed, I was scheduled to meet with a friend of mine who's a pastor in Brooklyn. And he didn't know any of this, but in the back of my head, I was really excited to meet with him because we had talked about collaborating before. Um, and so I'm thinking perhaps, and, and it got me excited, perhaps vision comes out of this, right? Perhaps there's something here in our conversation that God wants to do. So I was going into it with that in the back of my mind. About 30 minutes or an hour before we're supposed to meet, he texts me and he, and he has to cancel. Uh, something came up. Which again, I mean, it's totally fine, but you know, I'm looking into everything. I'm, I basically told God, like, God, I am so on edge right now. I am so listening that if a bird flies too low right now, I'm gonna take that as a sign. You know what I mean? Like, I am looking for every little sign right now. And I, I, with all earnestness in my spirit, knowing that I trust that God will protect how low birds are flying. He's gonna watch over birds' flight patterns for me so that I don't misinterpret things as a sign. And so we're going into each day with that. So when he cancels 30 minutes before we're supposed to meet, with me in the back of my mind, wondering if there's gonna be vision coming out of this, I do read into it like, huh, that's interesting. But the part that happened next was really um, what sealed it. No sooner had he canceled, Gabe, the guy from the Northwest, he texts me out of the blue. We hadn't communicated at all for two months since the start of sabbatical. And he texts me and he goes, hey man, I'm just thinking about you. How are you doing? And I text him back and I go, Gabe, because he doesn't know we're praying and fasting right now. I go, Gabe, maybe there's no other reason than just I popped into your brain, but why did you just text me right now? And essentially he had just gotten off the phone with a, with a leader at the, the church, Eugene Faith Center. And they'd been talking about the church and getting excited about the future and about vision. And he goes, the entire time we talked for a couple hours, all I could do was think of you. And so he just gotten off and he wanted to text me. And when he did, what immediately popped into my, my heart was a verse from Acts, Acts chapter 16, where Paul, who travels around uh, the Roman Empire, starting churches, uh, he's in a part of his ministry journey where he's not sure where he's supposed to go next. And so Acts chapter 16, verse 9 through 10, so what we read, says, During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. 
when I heard, when Gabe texted me, the events of how it happened and, and as they're talking about this church and after the vision that God had given me, when that happened, I just sort of putting it all together. I went home to Anna and I said, babe, like we've been so earnest and intentional, praying and seeking vision. And all I know is the more we've prayed for vision for Hope Brooklyn, not only has God not given us this next chapter, the more he's orchestrated events over and over and over that seem to pull us, that we're supposed to, to lead at Eugene Faith Center. And so at the end of the fast, I, I went to our church council, um, and this was in the fall of 2020, and I, I told them all of this, and I said, this is the last step, guys, because if this is God, it needs to be confirmed by all of us, not just me. And I asked them to go away for two weeks to pray and to fast, and to come back and tell me what they sensed in their hearts and their spirits. And they came back and essentially they're like, what can we say to all this? Like, it's not like it was one thing. It's been 15 months at this point of you guys seeking sign after sign and God giving sign after sign. And though it breaks our hearts and breaks Anna's and mine and, and all of us, there's a sense of, I don't know what else, I don't know how else to interpret this. Because I truly believe that we have heard, we've sought the Lord with an earnest heart and we've heard him. And therefore, if we don't go, then we will be disobedient to the prayers that we've prayed and to the way that God has answered. And so from the fall, we knew this was going to happen. And so it's just a, a matter of us praying and discerning when the right time was. Because we didn't want to leave um, until we had a, a clear sense that the pandemic was was abating to a degree that we're, we're as a society and as a church and as a city moving an upward trajectory out of it. For you guys to know, I'm not leaving tomorrow. In fact, <laughs> I won't be transitioning out until mid-April. Um, but we knew that now was the time for everything to come out publicly so that we as a church, like there's been a lot happening behind the scenes, but so that we as a church can begin to ready our hearts to, to perhaps lean into those songs that we just sang of what would it mean to not miss what God is doing, to really pray, to really fast, to really ask God and say, we don't want to miss what you're doing, how you're moving, how you're speaking. You have all of our attention. What would that mean? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. How many of us can say we do that? My understanding wants so many things. But my heart, friends, has been leaning solely on the Lord and he has spoken and made his will clear. And so I will trust him, not knowing where I'm going. Remember Abraham Abraham is called by God, a God he doesn't even know fully yet, and he's told to leave his family, leave his father's family, which in a nomadic ancient Near East is highly dangerous because your father's family is your protection. To leave and to go to a land I'm going to show you, not even to go to that land, but like as you start going, I will show you that land. And I will make you a father of many nations. That's the type of God we serve. Why? Because he doesn't want us to trust ourselves. He wants us to know that he is real, he is active, and that if we let him, he will write a better story for your life than you could write for yourself. And I don't know about you, but as I look around society and everyone is just so sad, and I can, I can be prey to that. Why? Because we trust ourselves. Because we're writing our own stories and we're bad writers. We're writing our own stories. We're trusting our own wisdom. And it's so predictable and banal. It's boring. What would it look like to not write a boring, safe story, but instead to say, I'm going to listen to whatever you say, God, and I'm going, no matter how dangerous and no matter how, how much it strikes against my logic or my sense of common sense my reason. What would it look like to say there's nothing off limits? We want answers. Guys, this is simply the cost of the vows I took a long time ago. And just so it's clear, they are not vows exclusive to a pastor. They are vows for all of us who have gone under the waters of baptism. 
We have died with Christ. When we rise up again, our lives are not our own. Our souls have been bought with a price. Therefore, every single day and every single breath are not for us to determine our steps, but are for us to say, if he has saved my soul from eternal separation from him, how can I not give him everything else in return? And I realized that at age 14, and every year I've prayed and I've tried to step more into that confession to say, God, you can have everything because everything you've given me, it's not mine. You've given it. You've lent it to me for me to shepherd and to steward and to love, but not to own, not to use as a shield to protect me from you. No, you can have it. In extreme situations, and I'm not sure I even believe it, and I'm sure if he actually took it away, it would break my heart beyond measure, but God, you can have Anna. She's not mine. You can have George. He's your child. You created him. He's not mine. You've lent him to me to love and to steward his life, but he's yours. You can have my body, my mind, money, plans. You can have it all. Just leave me your presence. As Moses says in Exodus 33, if your presence does not go with me, don't send me from here. And if your presence is going over there, I'm going there too. And I don't care about the consequences. And maybe I shouldn't say I don't care. That's harsh. It's not that I don't care. It's just I want his presence more than anything else in this world. And I've tried to tell you that from the start. I've told Anna, there's actually a funny story. I think I might have shared this before. There's a funny story where Anna and I are in the car driving and we're listening to worship. And I'm just like weeping. And the joke with Anna and me is I can struggle with emotions unless I'm worshiping. When I worship, I just cry so easily. <laughs> and we're worshiping and I'm crying. And she, we're having this moment. And as she tells it, she's like looking over at me and whatever she's just like oh man I love I love my husband and I look over at her and she thinks I'm gonna say something really sweet and I go you know I love Jesus more than you right <laughs> and she like laughed and she goes yes I know that <laughs> guys my heart hurts my heart hurts but I've heard God and I trust him he gave me chapter one as we said this morning, he gave me the foundation to lay of this incredible church that he's at work in. But it's his. It's his book. Hope Brooklyn was never my book to write. It's his story. It's his church. He just allowed me, graciously allowed me to write chapter one with all of you. My heart hurts, but my soul is full of joy. It's full of joy because I know the voice of God and it's the best voice I've ever heard, better than any other voice out there, any other voice on the market. And the more you hear the voice of God, though it's terrifying because it's so unlike any other voice, it's holy, it's set apart. His ways are not the earth's ways. But the more you know that voice, the more you're content with nothing else but that voice. And at least until this point, that voice has yet to let me down. That voice has yet to let me down. My prayer for you guys is to trust his voice. And if you're like, I don't even know his voice, start there. How? He's spoken. He's spoken in scripture. He's spoken through the Lord's Supper that we take. He's spoken, he's speaking all around us. He speaks through others, through the church community. He speaks throughout history. He speaks often or sometimes outside of the church walls. He's everywhere speaking, but do you know where he speaks clearest of all? Clearest of all, his voice is crystal in the name of Jesus. That is his word, that story, that person, that figure. When I say trust the voice of God, I'm simply saying trust the name of Jesus. Pray that name, seek that name. Devote yourselves to that name because that name has defeated every other name and power. 
That name is stronger than anything else. You seek that name, you'll find everything you're looking for. Don't preserve your life. Seek his life. Or as Jesus will say in two different times, Matthew 6, 33, after he's telling his disciples, don't worry about all this stuff. He goes, seek first God's kingdom and righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. That doesn't mean you're going to get the, like right before this, he's talking about why are you worried about what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink and the clothes you're going to wear. Basically the things of life, the things we worry about, that when we get them, we use them as protection. We think, well, God wouldn't have me give away this amount of money. Right? Because that's irresponsible. Of course he would. Absolutely. Who has all abundance in him? God does. So he will say stuff like that. Don't worry about where it's coming from. Seek his kingdom. Seek his name. And all those things will be added to them. It will be given to you. But in a way such you don't even need them anymore. You won't need them in the same way. You'll be able, like Paul, to say, I know how to live with plenty. I know how to live with little. I know how to be hungry. I know how to be well-fed. All of these things that the rest of the world strives after, all these things that everyone is tripping over, over and over, fame and power, all these things, they, they, they're, they're so hollow. They have no hold because to have his kingdom means I have everything that those things promised and never delivered on. And that's through the name of Jesus. Jesus speaks again in Mark chapter 8. He goes, then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What does it profit a man or a woman to gain the world and forfeit their soul? Whoever tries to preserve their life will lose it. You'll lose what you're looking for. You'll lose what you're trying to preserve. But whoever says, I'm not going to worry, but that, that's a secondary concern to me. My primary concern is the name of Jesus. I want to wake up in the morning and I want to worship that name. I want to go to bed at night reading psalms, praying psalms to that name. I want to have that name on the lips of, of my mouth. I want to have it in my heart. I want to, to pray that name over strangers and over people that I, that I meet. I want that name to be the center of who I am. Whoever does that, totally uncaring of where that road leads, man, they're going to find everything they're looking for. And at least up till now, that's been, this, that's been true with me. So then what of Hope Brooklyn? Where's Hope Brooklyn headed? Guys, like I said earlier, my, my heart hurts, but my soul rejoices. Why? Because he did not give me the next chapter. But he's giving it to someone someone has it. He's revealing it to someone and perhaps through a slow progression, just like he revealed it to me with Eugene Faith Center. He's giving someone that flash of inspiration that says, Hope Brooklyn is my church and this is where we're going next. 2020 has been crazy and I realize that I am forcing upon this church that I love so much a step of faith. Because I'm taking a step of faith. I'm choosing to believe that everything that I've heard of God, I'm trusting it and I'm stepping out, which means I'm forcing you guys to take a step of faith. And please hear me. It can be so easy, especially in a virtual world right now, in a virtual community, to tune out and disappear. I'm begging you, don't do it. 2020 has been so unstable. You've, you've seen so many things overturned. Go broke with Jesus. Why the hell not? What do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? Go for it. As G.K. Chesterton famously quipped, it is not that Christianity, it is not that Jesus has been tried and found wanting. He's been found difficult and never tried. Try him. Lean into him. Don't lean on your own understanding. 
Don't lean on your own interpretation. Don't go after what you think you need and what you think is responsible. Your comfort, your security, your validation. Don't gain the world and lose your soul. Draw a line in the sand, Hope Brooklyn. Draw a line in the sand as we've been focusing on for the last four years and each year we've taken a step closer through prayers, through fasting, through abandoning what we think we need and saying the name of Jesus is at the center. We want his spirit, his vision, his will, his heart for this church. Draw a line in the sand and say we're going to take a step of faith too. We're going to pray. We're going to intercede. We're going to petition for the next chapter of this church. And God loves this church. In case I need to remind you, this church did not originate in my heart. But God's. I was the third person asked to start Hope Brooklyn. Third. I won't tell you the stories of the first two. But the reason why it fell through it's because God is writing the story of Hope Brooklyn. And because I was supposed to be the first author for chapter one, if you will, with God. It didn't originate in my heart. Ann and I didn't move to the city seeing Hope Brooklyn. We moved to the city because we sensed the presence of God, just like now. And then the presence of God as a pillar of fire rested over Hope Church NYC. We said, we want to be a part of what they're doing. God's here and he's drawing our hearts here. And then as we were there with Hope Church, that's when the conversations began and opened up and Hope Brooklyn flashed into our hearts and our, and our minds. And as we stepped into it, the Lord was with us every step of the way in this first chapter. Remember when we, I've told this story before, I'm gonna tell it quickly. I know I'm way over time. I kinda don't even care, cause I'm gonna talk. I don't have much time left with you guys anyway. That's not true, I got six weeks. But I'm gonna keep going. When we were looking for a space for the church to meet in PS 261, uh, Nathan Cousins, some of you guys remember him. Nathan and myself, we walked into over 20 or 25 locations in the downtown Brooklyn, Gowanus, Fort Greene areas, and we got hard, and we asked, like, would you guys be willing to rent to us? Hard nose on all of them. Not even like, eh, we'll think about it. Like, nah. Hard nose. And then July 24th, 2016, we walked into PS 261. <laughs> Interestingly, we had passed by it before and we decided to not go in there. I don't know, maybe that's a theme for us or me, where I say no the first time and that ends up being what God is doing. I don't know. But we're like, nah, we'll pass by it. But everything was a no. We came back and they were doors wide open, yes. They were so wide open, yes, it scared us. We were like, wait, what's going on? Do you have like a rat infestation? Like, what are you not telling us? We hadn't experienced that. The very next day, at this point in July, Anna and I were still living in Astoria, Queens. Our lease did not come due until September. So we weren't moving until the end of September. You guys, you're New Yorkers, you know. I'm living there in July. I'm not looking for anything until like September 15th because it's all going to be off the market, right? Like I'm, we're not looking for an apartment in Brooklyn right now. The very next day, the pastor of Hope Astoria, he contacts me, Christian Hernandez. He's from Brooklyn. He doesn't know that we've just found a place, a future home for Hope Brooklyn. He goes, I have a friend. She wants uh, you to contact her. I do contact her. Long story short, she and her husband own a, a property in Brooklyn. They just got word that the third story tenant is moving out. They wanted to rent the third story to us. It was more than we needed. It was out of budget. They were very gracious with the budget that we could afford. It was incredible. We didn't have to pay a broker's fee. It was God. We didn't even go seeking this. Very next day, I asked her, where is this place? It's Brooklyn, right? It could be anywhere. She tells me the address. It's a 30-second walk from PS 261, where we were just given the keys the day before. God loves this church. God's gone ahead. Skipping forward, fall of 2019. In January of 2020, we started to sense instability with PS 261. Brian's sitting back there. He knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> we started to sense instability. We were basically getting kicked out from our storage situation. So we're trying to figure out, we're praying, Lord, what are you doing? What's happening? Fall of 2019, January of 2020. Long story short with this one, 
God starts orchestrating things where we're going to go in on an office space, and not as the primary um, leaseholder, but as like a subtenant. Things fall through. We're asked if we want to be the primary leaseholder. We say, okay, I guess God's in this. And it ends up being perfect because we do get kicked out of storage. So we need to store our stuff in this office space. We end up getting a truck for the, for the stuff. That's January 2020. February 2020, we start building a creative team with something we'd always want to do. We just hadn't done it. We felt like now was the time. So we bought a bunch of camera gear to start building a creative team. And in March of 2020, when the pandemic hits, that space and that team and that gear has been our arc from the floods this last year to keep the church going. God loves this church. I've heard him. The story's still being written, but I'm no longer invited by God to write the next chapter, which is sad, but it's an incredible thing because someone is, because he's in this story, which means flourishing is coming. And it means if I stay in some crazy way, I impede the story God is trying to write for this church. Why would I stay? I would stay because this is our family, because this is our community. I would stay because this is safe. This is what we know. I would stay because all of the, the reason of my mind and my heart would compel me to stay. But I'm going because I trust in the Lord and I do not lean on my own understanding. Would you join me in that? Now as we move toward this next season of March, for you to know like what's happening, well even though this is all public now, like I said, the council has known since the fall and other key leaders, we've slowly been bringing them in. So there's been a lot happening behind the scenes. So as we speak, our council, um, as well as our district supervisor, Peter Bonanno, they've been working together to create a pastoral profile. And then Peter, Drew Hyun, myself, and some others, we've been collecting resumes, if you will, of potential candidates that we know of, bringing them to Peter. And Peter and the council are having a conversation, a prayerful conversation, and, and exploring what God is doing and who he's calling to be the next lead pastor. So what I'm asking you to do in this season, and, and to that end, even though that's happening behind the scenes, as soon as we have information that warrants it being public, we will absolutely share that. Right now, it's for us to be interceding, knowing that this is happening, trusting that God is at work and he's moving in people's hearts, both us as, as counsel and leadership, and also in the person that he's preparing to take over as, as the pastor of Hope Brooklyn. So what am I asking you to do in this season with me? I said it on the video on Wednesday, but I'm saying it again. Feel everything, number one. Feel everything, but feel it to God. If you're afraid, tell God you're afraid. If you're sad, tell God you're sad. If you're angry, tell God you're angry. Direct all your, don't censor your emotions, but direct them all to him. Number two, stay rooted. I quoted Isaiah earlier in the year where the entire message of Isaiah, we talked about it in January. The you want to sum up the entire book of Isaiah? It's in one question. Who will you trust? That's what Isaiah keeps asking the people of Judah and Israel. Do you want to trust the surrounding nations as war looms? Do you want to trust your own strength, your own power? Or will you trust the Lord who promises he will deliver you? Stay rooted. And there's this, this really important line where Isaiah's talking to one of the kings, King Ahaz. And he tells the king, because the king is deciding if he wants to trust another nation to deliver him. And Isaiah goes, don't do it. Stand firm in faith now that God will deliver. Or, he goes, stand firm in faith now or you will not stand at all. Meaning, you can try to preserve your life you can, but it, will, it might win a battle and lose the war, if that makes sense. It might work for today, but you don't see what's coming tomorrow, but God does. So stay rooted in faith now, 
Draw a line in the sand now and say, I'm going to trust Jesus. Number three, pray ceaselessly. The name of Jesus over everything. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. When you're feeling the emotions, pray the name of Jesus. Turn to that name. Don't preserve your life. Seek his life. So what's the timeline for next steps for us as Hope Brooklyn? Well, today at 3 p.m., 3 p.m. Eastern, there was a Zoom link sent out to the email chain. If you, uh, our, our email base, database, if you don't get our emails, go ahead and subscribe uh, in the, the notes uh, beneath the video. And uh, we'll send you, we'll send it out again so that we can, uh, if you want to join at 3 p.m. And on this Zoom will be myself as well as our, our church council, Alice Cha, Downey Wynn, David Santos, John Wong, Christy Park, and Yuri Chun. And we're going to be there to answer any and every question you have. Any and every question. So please join if you have questions. Um, this Tuesday, March 2nd, we're going to have a Zoom prayer and worship night at 8 p.m. That's going to be led by Sharon Chu, who oversees our, our care crew, Bryant, our community pastor, and Jamie, our worship pastor. It's going to be a time on Zoom to pray together, to grieve, to process, as well as to pray for what God's doing next, to, to turn these emotions toward God and allow him to speak into what he's up to. That's going to be this Tuesday, March 2nd. Like I said, there's so much happening behind the scenes with the council and our district supervisor. We are at work. We have been at work identifying, praying, talking to potential candidates. And as soon as we have information that is pertinent to share with the congregation, we will, of course, do that. My last full Sunday is going to be Easter on April 4th. The next Sunday, April 11th, is going to be a transition Sunday where we're either going to transition the next lead pastor if they've been identified, or if not, we're going to transition to our plan. We'll lay out our plan, which is going to be um, different teaching pastors that we have a relationship with, both Hope Church and elsewhere. And the cool thing is, guys, like, and I'm not just saying this, our staff is stacked. Our staff and our key leaders are stacked. So operationally, on a day-to-day, on-the-ground level, nothing is going to be lost by me leaving. Nothing. So we're going to continue forward full, like, you know, with all engines go, with our prayer and worship, with our pray and act, with our tables, with our kids and tots, with our youth, the reservoir, all of it is happening what we're just going to be praying for as a community is for the person who has the grace of God, the vision for the next chapter of Hope Brooklyn. But that will be the transition on um, April 11th. And I want to end today and invite the, the worship team back up. I want to read a passage of scripture and then we're going to take communion together as we do every Sunday because there's one body, there's one um, there's one loaf, there's one cup, and we are one church. And I was thinking about what passage of scripture to use that really is just representing my heart and where I'm at and uh, maybe encapsulates this whole, this whole season, the last 20 months, and my prayer, my prayer for Hope Brooklyn as we move into the next chapter as well. And so if you have your elements, you want to go ahead and grab those. Um, whatever you have on hand works. If it's received with a heart that recognizes that the sacrifice of Jesus is what we trust in. The grace, the love of Jesus, the truth of Jesus is what we trust in. And I want to read Paul. Philippians chapter 3. He's writing this in prison. He's writing this to the end of his life. He's lived a while now. He's planted a lot of churches. He's done a lot of ministry. He's transitioned a lot of churches. Paul planted and then passed them off, 
raised up other leaders and left. And he's at the end of his life. And in no way am I trying to over-dramatize or over-spiritualize, or maybe I should say over-dramatize things with myself. I'm hopefully, prayerfully, not at the end of my life, but I am at the end of my tenure, coming up here at Hope Brooklyn. We'll get into memories later on. Like I said, I'm not gonna cry today. I still have a couple more messages that we'll be able to, to reminisce and reflect. But if you wanna know what my heart is, if you wanna know what's at the center of Russell right now and what I'm betting my life and my soul on, what I'm betting my death on, what I'm betting my family on, if you wanna know what's at the center, and I pray, I, I pray with everything I have, that it would also be at the center of your heart. These words from Paul in Philippians 3 capture it. So this is what we read. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Whatever the world valued means nothing. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And with that, let's take the bread and the cup as this church of Hope Brooklyn. There is no God like you, there is no God like you. There is no name like yours, there is no name above yours. There is no God like you, there's no one but you, Jesus. Jesus, we just bless your name. We pray with the words of Paul, through whom you spoke, through whom you gave revelation of the mystery of God, through whom you gave revelation to the power of the Spirit, the power of the kingdom, through whom he poured out his life to know you. He trusted you with everything. Jesus, could that be said of us as individuals? Could that be said of us as Hope Brooklyn? Would that be engraved on all of our tombstones? Whatever were gains in this world, we consider rubbish, garbage. They mean nothing, they're hollow. All of it's hollow. When it's compared to the weightiness, the, the surpassing worth, value of knowing you, Jesus, the resurrected Lord of the world, raised from the tomb, ascended to the right hand of the Father, giving your spirit on those who call upon your name, defeating 
the powers of darkness that hold your people down that name. We haven't obtained it yet, but we are going after it with everything we have. And Lord Jesus, before this community, this church that you had me write chapter one for, and now you're taking the pen and you're passing it to someone else. Before them, would they know and may, would I be able to bless them with the full measure of the blessing of your power and your light that your name, Jesus, would always and ever be at the center of Hope Brooklyn? That we would never turn to another name. We would never turn to a name of politics. We would never turn to a name of economics. We would never turn to a name of human glory. We would never turn to a name of human reason, of human understanding. Would your name, the name of Jesus Christ, be at the center of everything Hope Brooklyn is ever about? It's your table. You invited us graciously to your table. Therefore, all are invited to ours. We love you, Lord. We trust you. We trust you. We trust you. We trust you. Prove your faithfulness to us. Show your faithful hand. We're following you, God. 